Amen. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for all the blessings that you have poured out over your people. Even in difficult times, you promised in the scripture you'd never leave us, you would never forsake us. That we would experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we thank you so much for, Father, all that you have done for us. And we give you praise today. We're careful to focus our attention and our hearts on you and give you praise today. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Can we just give them some, some love and affection today? You know, pop your little hearts up on the screen. Let people know how much you appreciate uh, the work that our team puts in every week. And they are so focused. They are so uh, you know, determined to do uh, a job that's honorable to God and worthy of the Lord and something that will encourage you to keep checking back in every week to join with us together. You know, um, there's a scripture that in the midst of this whole situation has taken on new meaning for me, and I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation because it says it really well here. And this is from the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, this is what it says. And think of this in the context of where we're living today in the midst of this season we're in. And it says this, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Did you get that? This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage each other toward, onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Now, the, the, the scriptures truly, clearly, the original is focusing on the second coming of Christ, and it says we're to do it all the more as we see the day of his return coming. But as it's word in here, I thought, uh, as we see or anticipate the day dawning, I'm thinking as we anticipate the day when we all get together again and have church and are able to meet in person like we used to do. Does anybody remember what that was like uh, even just a couple months ago? You know, um, for us as, as a church, this has been a, a very interesting time. And uh, we began live streaming the week after we weren't allowed to meet anymore uh, as, a, as a public group or in a public space. And so we had, we had not live streamed before. And we just want you to know, if you're watching, tuning in from some other place, and, you're, and this has become a source of encouragement, a lifeline for you, that we're not going anywhere after the uh, restrictions on worshiping and gathering together are lifted. We're still going to be here live streaming. We're working out the kinks and working out all the difficulties, finding out what we have and what we don't have so we can be with you uh, every week uh, through the wonderful blessing of live streaming. So we just want you to know that we're not going anywhere, and uh, we just uh, encourage you to, to let us know how much it's been a blessing to you. Uh, you know, communicate with us, send in a message. Uh, you know, uh, send us an email. Uh, we would love to hear your story and hear what God has been doing in you. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about uh, taking care of business. Taking care of business. In 1974, I was 11 years old. That's right. So you can probably do the math and figure out how old and crusty I actually am. But in 1974, I was 11 years old, and that summer, the summer of 1974, the number one song on the radio was a song by a Canadian band out of Winnipeg 
named Bachman Turner Overdrive, and they became known as BTO. And they had a song that was on the radio, and it became the number one song of the summer and of the year, and has had so much traction. It's been played over and over again. It's been a theme song for commercials and movies, and I know you've heard it. It doesn't matter if you were living in Iceland. I know you've heard the song before, and the song is Taking Care of Business. And uh, that song has become a kind of an anthem song for the working class people, you know, that they, they work hard. That song talks about getting on the subway, going to work, taking care of business. And it's become an anthem kind of of the, of the middle class working people. But the great irony is that the writers of the song, uh, actually it was a rejection of the working class uh, you know, going to, jo- to your job, doing that thing. And so, in fact, one of the lines in the song says, if you ever get annoyed, look at me, I'm self-employed. I love to work at nothing all day. And uh, so the, the song was actually a celebration of them working at music rather than actually having a job where they did the daily grind. But you know, when I hear the song, when, I, when it comes on the road, I always think, even to this day, I think of working hard, I think of putting my nose to the grindstone. I think of get her done. That's what I think of whenever I hear the song. You know, for me, uh, the song is about taking responsibility. It's about, uh, you know, it reminds me that we as a people have got to take care of business in our own lives. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk about taking care of your business. I want to talk about responsibility. And I'm not talking about taking care of your finances per se or taking care of your career, but of something much more important than that. I want to talk about taking care of your spiritual health and your spiritual well-being. I want to talk about taking care of business with respect to your soul. And I think the best story in the Bible with which to, uh, to do that is found in 1 Samuel, and it's taken from the life of David. In 1 Samuel, uh, and I'm going to go from chapters 27 through chapter 30 and pull out the highlights of this story of David, and he forms a perfect picture uh, of what we need to do in order to make sure that we're strong and strengthened uh, in the day and the season of testing and trial. So I want to pull some excerpts from the life of David, if I could, today. You know, the story picks up in 1 Samuel chapter 27. David's a young married man at this point in his life, and he leads this group of of miscreant social rejects that have flocked to him, and David has taken them under his wing, and he's become their leader. He's given them a second chance in life, and he leads them, and he loves on them, and there's about 600 of them that have uh, chosen to follow David. Now, David is being hunted at this stage in his life by King Saul. Early when David was a young man, uh, the prophet Samuel uh, laid hands on him, poured oil over his head, and anointed him as the future king of Israel. And of course, Saul, very threatened by that. And despite the fact that David as a young man uh, went to Saul's courts and he lived there in the palace, played his harp and soothed Saul's spirit when he was being tormented by demonic spirits, Uh, He went into battle for the king and slew Goliath the giant. David did all these things, but despite doing it all, and despite even being uh, Saul's son, Jonathan's best friend, Saul had it out for David. He felt threatened by him because he knew the words of the prophecy, and he knew that one day David would be king, and he was always looking over his shoulder thinking David was going to try and take that throne from him, and so he was hunting him down all the time. 
And so the story picks up in chapter 27, where David is being hunted by King Saul yet again. And, uh, and Saul has come out into the wilderness to kind of find David and to, to uh, chase him down. And so what David does is he waits until the evening when Saul and his men are asleep on top of a hill, uh, and he decides to enact his plan and sneak into the camp. David goes into uh, the camp at night with, with Abishai, and they sneak right up to Saul where he's sleeping. They go right through all the rest of the soldiers. In fact, the Bible says that God had put all of the soldiers into a deep sleep. David walks up, and they grab his spear, and they grab Saul's water jug, and, and Abishai says to David, David, this is your moment. This is it. He says, kill him. We, I could, let me do it. I'll run the spear through Saul right now, and you'll be king. And David says, no, 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 we're not doing that. I will not touch the Lord's anointed. God put his hand on Saul, and even though Saul has turned his back on the Lord and disobeyed the Lord, God still called him, and I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And David refused to do it. He refused to do it. And so we see that, um, uh, you know, David was an honorable man, and he would not lift his hand against the king. And so uh, David and, and Abishai, they, they sneak back out with the spear and with the water jug, and then the next morning from a distance, they call out to the army of Saul, and they say to Saul, look, here it is. I could have taken your life again last night, but I didn't. I spared you. And he said, so please, stop. Stop hunting me. Well, Saul packs up his camp and he goes home, but David has an epiphany. And David realizes, you know, Saul is never going to stop hunting me. Listen to what he says, and he comes to this realization in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1. But David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. So David leaves uh, the land of Israel, and he goes to his enemy. This is the same Philistines, you know, Goliath. This is the same Philistines. And David goes to those people, and his 600 men follow him, and he flees there to avoid being hunted continuously by Saul. And he meets up with the king's son, a dude named Achish, uh, and he and, and Achish, they bond so tightly that Achish gives him and his, his men a town called Ziklag, as their own town. And it's like their town. The Israelites are encamped in the midst of the land of the Philistines, and they have their own town. They raise their families there. And everything's good, the Bible tells us, for 16 months. Everything's going good. Uh, you know, David and his men, they're raiding the villages nearby that are of their enemies of the Philistines and the Israelites. And, and Achish is just impressed with David's work. And so chapter 28, chapter 28 begins with a David... Uh, gathering with the Philistines uh, to fight against Israel. Achish says to him, listen, I want, I'm gonna, we're going to fight. The king's declared war against Israel. I want you and your men to come and fight with me. David says, well, now you're going to see just how good we really are. And he's willing to go and, and serve alongside this man, even though it means going up against his own, his own countrymen. And uh, so what happens is, they gather together, and he says he's going to go with him into fight. Now, Saul finds out that the enemies are gathered against him. And, uh, and then in, chap, uh, in verse 8, I should say, starts one of the weirdest stories in the Bible. Weirdest stories in the Bible because Saul actually consults the witch to find out what's going to happen in the ensuing battle. 
And he contacts this witch that we know her affectionately only as the Witch of Endor in Scripture. Sounds like something out of a uh, a Tolkien movie. But uh, so he goes and consults with this witch, and uh, he asks her to conjure up. He disguises himself, goes in and asks her to conjure up uh, the spirit of the prophet Samuel so he could speak with him. Well, he does that. He, he gets in touch with the, uh, the, the prophet Samuel, and Samuel says, what in the world are you disturbing me for? And then he says, I want to know what's going to happen. And he says, I'll tell you what's going to happen. He said, you're about to reap what you've sown. He said, you and your sons are going to die. The kingdom's going to be taken from you, and it's going to be given to David. Probably not what Saul wanted to hear. And so chapter 29 begins with uh, the rulers of Philistines, you know, uh, uh, Achish's uh, men, rising up and saying, we don't want David coming into battle with us. We don't want that. We, we don't want David coming to war with us. We don't trust him. And uh, Achish is saying, what do you mean you don't trust him? Look, he's a, he's a faithful servant. Why don't you trust him? But they say, we don't trust him because David is, a, is an Israelite. Do you not remember the songs sung about him that Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands? Those tens of thousands were Philistines. That's what the song is about. We don't want him coming into battle with us. And so they pressure Achish to go to David and say, I'm sorry, you can't come with me into battle. David's like, why not? What have I done to you? And he said, nothing. You've been nothing but faithful. You've been nothing but faithful, but I'm sorry. I, I, I can't have the, the, the guys won't have it. I can't take into battle with me today. So I bless you, and I release you and your men to go home. Well, David is, is down. He's discouraged. And him and his men, they, they head back to Ziklag. And when they get there, the Bible says they find that the, their town burned to the ground. Burned to the ground, that while Israel and the Philistines have been gathering for battle, another one of their enemies, the Amalekites, has invaded Ziklag, burned the village to the ground, and then stolen and taken away all the women and children and the, and the possessions of value and stolen them away. Well, David and his men are distraught. They are beside themselves. The Bible says that they, they fell to the ground and they wept and they wept and they wept until they could weep no more. I mean, how many know that means you're, you've absolutely emptied yourself of every ounce of emotion that you have? And they said they wept till they could weep no more. And uh, then they said uh, David was totally distressed in himself and, uh, and that uh, then David's men, his mighty men, his followers... It says in the Bible that they even spoke of stoning him. They even spoke of stoning him. This is a bad day for David. How many know that? This is a bad day. God had called David through the prophet Samuel when he was a young boy. David had led the worship in Saul's courts and served the king faithfully. He had slain the, uh, the giant Goliath on behalf of the people of Israel he had spared the king's life, not once but twice. He had done, uh, came to the land of the Philistines and served uh, the king's son, Achish, with faithfulness and with honor. And, uh, and then he'd been rejected by him and sent back only to find his village burned down and his family, men and his families all taken away uh, by the Amalekites. That is what we call a tough time. And, uh, you know, a lot of times... We think we have it tough. I think David was having a tougher time than probably most of us have ever had. 
David had only served honorably. He had only served with, with distinction. He had only served with a heart of integrity. And now here he was. Here he was, probably at the lowest point in his life. How did David respond at this moment? This next verse is, the, is obviously the pivotal verse of the story, and maybe even the pivotal verse of the life of David. Because this verse gives us a glimpse into the heart of this man. The heart of the man who for the rest of his life was known as the man after God's own heart. Listen to how David responded in the midst of it. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 says this, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David, in fact, in the New American Standard, it puts it this way, but David strengthened himself in Jehovah his God. David encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord. David's seriously bad day would have probably been the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back for most of us. After years of faithful service, uh, David had experienced one rejection after another rejection after another rejection. The final rejections were him being rejected by the uh, Achish, who was literally, for most of his life, their enemy. And as, uh, as Bill Johnson would say, you know you're having a bad day when even the devil rejects you. So <laughs> you know you're having a bad day when your enemies reject you. Your rejection comes from the enemy. And then to top it all off, David and his men, when they go and they find the village burned down, even the men who he trained, that he stood beside, that he believed in, when nobody else would believe in them, those men turned on him as well, and they talked of stoning him. And how did David respond? David strengthened himself in the Lord. I cannot tell you how many times uh, I have turned to this story in the Bible when I've been facing a difficult mountain in my life. Many times when, you know, it seems like uh, everybody's, you know, everybody's leaving, nobody's around, nobody wants to stand with you, uh, everybody has rejected you. Uh, God has brought me time and time again back to the Scripture. When, when you know, things get difficult economically or things get difficult, at, at, you know, in work or things get difficult in relationships, again, I've been brought back to this passage, that David strengthened himself in the Lord, that, that David accepted the challenge from God to be uh, go higher up and further in, as C.S. Lewis would say it. And it's caused me to look at my situation in my life and the things that I've experienced with a heart after God. David encouraged himself. David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, what does that response of David, what does it teach me? What does it teach you and I here this morning? Well, the first thing we need to understand is that this, David's response teaches us this, that David knew where to turn. David knew where to turn. When the chips were down, when life was just overwhelming him, David knew the place that he needed to turn. He knew where to turn his attention. He needed to turn his attention to the Lord. David knew what to do. David's devastated. He's distraught. He's He's at rock bottom. I mean, life can't get any worse. If you read the story, life cannot get any worse than where David's probably is at that moment. He has hit the very bottom. 
Uh, and, uh, but David, at that moment, turns to the Lord. Because David understood something. We are not capable of strengthening ourselves in our own efforts. We are not capable of lifting ourselves out of the mire by ourselves. I don't believe any of us is truly capable of strengthening ourselves. If that were the case, then we wouldn't need God. But we can't strengthen ourselves. We need God to lift us up. Uh, We need God to fortify us. We need God to pour into our lives. And the Bible reminds us of that over and over again. Psalm 18 verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. Prophet Jeremiah said, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. Our strength comes from the Lord. Our strength comes from the Lord. Our strength comes from the Lord. That's the first thing that David understood. Our strength comes from the Lord. But our responsibility to turn to that source of strength is mine, is ours. And so we have to understand that that first, our strength comes from the Lord, but secondly, my strengthening in the Lord is my responsibility. Notice I didn't say it's my accomplishment. I said it's my responsibility. It's not my accomplishment, but it is my responsibility. You know, sometimes in his mercy, God swoops in and he pours into us at a time of need. And I think you probably experienced that if you're like me when I was a new Christian. You know, God would kind of, you know, undertake for me more often than, than as a result of anything or a byproduct of any relationship I have with him because I was just starting out. And, and God kind of swooped in and mercifully took care of so many things in my life. And, uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, you, we find that God does that, and he pours in and he strengthens us, especially when we're young in the Lord. But we have to understand it's our responsibility to pursue the Lord as we mature and be strengthened. Let me give you a practical illustration of this. We all need food to be strengthened, to be able to grow. But when we're infants, when we're a child, our parents take care of that for us. You know, they nurse us or... They, you know, give us a, a bottle and then they, you know, drink, you know, and then push up, pat, 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 bleh, and all the rest of that kind of stuff, you know, how the routine works. Well, you know, when we're a child, you know, the, the, the responsibility for our feeding comes from our parents, right? The responsibility for our, our feeding comes from someone else. But as we mature, as we become adults, it's absolutely ludicrous that we should expect it to come from somewhere else. No, we go to the store, we buy our food. In the pandemic, we stand in line for maybe hours, and we go and we get our food, we bring it home, we cook it, we prepare it, and we eat it. We feed ourselves, and we are nurtured, and we are strengthened, and we grow. You know, it's the same way spiritually. It's the same way spiritually. When, when we're a child, God miraculously intervenes, and he, and he nurtures us with simple miracles and simple little gestures of his love, and and he strengthens us and he pours into us. But God has a desire that we would mature, that we would grow, and so that we would find ourselves as we grow in him, as we are uh, maturing in him, that we would be going out and we would be going after the good stuff ourselves. You know, the scripture speaks of this uh, comparison between infant and adult many, many times. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, Like newborn babes 
Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. See, you know, he's saying when you're a, a new believer, you know, as a newborn child, then you need to, you know, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you can grow by it. But Paul writes to the believers in Corinth, speaking of their immaturity uh, later in life, and he speaks of their need for milk rather than solid food in a negative way. He says this, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. That wasn't a compliment. The milk was still there, but it wasn't a compliment that they needed the milk instead of the solid food. And then again, in Hebrews, the image is made even clearer. It says this, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves. Everybody say, train themselves. Train themselves to distinguish good from evil, Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. According to these verses, the spiritual diet of the immature believer, the milk, is given to them. It's, it's brought to them. They, they are, it's supplied for them. But God's expectation is that we would leave the milk, that we would leave the milk behind, and that we would develop a steady diet of solid spiritual food, the good stuff. And, you know, I meet many Christians that are like that. You know, they're, they're still bouncing all over the place and they get influenced by all kinds of things because they've never actually become a true student of God's Scripture. So what they find themselves is that today, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy that God has blessed me, but tomorrow something bad happens and they're like phoning up the pastor and they're like, oh, my life is so bad, I, I can't stand it. But they've not spent any time strengthening themselves in the Lord. They've not spent any time getting into the solid food, so they have nothing to sustain them when the time of difficulty and the time of trial come. If you want to be able to stand in the difficult hour, then you've got to have trained yourself on the solid food of the Word of God. Then you're going to be able, he says, to distinguish between good and evil. You're going to be able to tell what is from God, what's not. You're going to be able to distinguish uh, hopelessness from hope. You're going to be able to distinguish uh, God's presence and God's glory from uh, you know, uh, an experience that is trying to rob you and to take away from you. We need to be people who have found the secret of taking care of business for their spirit by digging into the Lord. How do we do that? We do that through, through prayer. We do it through the word. We do it through a worship. We do it by, by investing ourselves into our pursuit of relationship with God. And when we do that, we will find we have plenty of strength when the day of testing comes, when the day of testing comes. Let me conclude by just speaking a little bit about the situation we find ourselves in right now. You know, if you're like me, uh, you know, most days, I got to admit, and people that know me, most days, I'm on top of the world. Most days, I'm living large. Most days, and that's not a reference to my weight, by the way. Uh, most days, I'm just feeling like, you know, I can, I can defeat anything. And I don't usually find myself as one of those people that, that's uh, wallowing around looking for any kind of self-pity or anything else. You know, you get up, you take care of business, you put your shoulder to the grindstone. 
I'm usually one of those people that's in that kind of a frame of mind. I seldom, in other words, have a bad day. It's not that I don't have bad things happen to me, uh, but it's that for the most part, I'm able to put those things into perspective and see God's hand even in the midst of a difficult season. You know, however there are days when life can catch you by surprise. How many have ever had one of those? You know, ever had one of those? Let me know. I'm sure you have. You know, you've probably uh, uh, had those days when things happen and you have no control over them at all. You know, um, uh, I, I've had, you know, times when I've had, you know, accidents as a child. I mean, I was in several accidents. I hit by a car, all kinds of things like that. No control over them. You have some bad days. Then you have days where, you know, things happen to your kids. And how many parents know when something happens to your kids, it's worse than if it happens to you. I mean, it just rips you apart and you feel so helpless when you can't do something for them. And you have those days when life can come up and it can surprise you and you don't know what to do. Well, those are the days that I think many of us feel like we're in right now with this pandemic. Nobody here has any control over what is happening uh, with, with the, the virus and, its, and the ability to treat it or vaccinate against it. We have no control over how uh, you know, governments and, uh, and, and those who are looking over us are responding to it. We have very little control over anything other than what? Me. Me. Maybe you've, uh, maybe you've lost your job and you don't know what you're going to do moving forward. Maybe you are feeling extremely lonely. You felt lonely before, but you're th- saying now it's just it's compounded. You know, maybe you are one of those people you invested carefully your whole life, and in a few weeks of uh, this COVID thing beginning, you watched the stock market crash, and you saw all of your life savings disappearing. And you're like, what am I going to do for retirement? Maybe you're just beginning a new job, or you're going to planning to go to university in the fall, or start a new business, and now all those things just don't seem possible. Maybe you're just simply afraid of the future. Well, if you are, if any of those things describe where you're at, then take a page out of David's playbook this morning. Take a page out of his playbook. You need to turn to the Lord, and then you need to take responsibility. You need to take care of business for your relationship with him. You need to pursue him. You need to dig into his word. You need to surround yourself with worship, with the presence of the Lord in song. You need to become that person who takes responsibility for your own nourishment and your own strengthening. I realize it comes from the Lord, but we have to facilitate that strengthening from him. We have to go after him. We have to recognize that if I don't invest in my spiritual health, then I am thwarting God's ability to help me and to bring his spirit in the time and the hour of need. Phyllis Bottom said this, there are two ways, she said, of meeting difficulties. There are two ways. You alter the difficulties or you alter yourself to meet them. In this situation we're in today, there is nothing you can do to alter your circumstances, relatively little anyway. The only thing you can do is you can alter yourself to meet the circumstances. What you can do is that you can can dive into the Word of God. You can can 
dive into the presence of the Lord in prayer. You can go to him and you can find your strength in God in this season. You can invest in your spiritual well-being. You can take responsibility for your uh, journey with Christ and do your part so that God can do his part. You see, if you really fundamentally understand the kingdom of God, you understand that it is not about God coming down and just eradicating everything and taking it all over, and we just sit around like this with nothing to do. If you read the scripture and you truly read what God is saying, he has raised us up as his children to rule and reign with him, to take authority with him, to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, that he has called us into darkness that we might be light and we might see the world transformed because of our relationship and our partnership with him. With God, it's all about relationship and partnership. God didn't just save us and redeem us so we get to go to heaven. He saved us and redeemed us so that we could partner with him starting right now and stretching into eternity so that we become the people who are working the kingdom of God with him and serving with him in this realm which he has given to us. Does anybody agree with me? I mean, say amen. You see, that is how God has set this world up. He set it up and he's redeemed us and brought us into relationship with him to partner with him. And if we're going to do that, then we need to uh, mature and grow in the word, know his, his owner's manual, if you will, we need to know his book. We need to know uh, his heart. We need to walk with him and partner with him to literally see our world shifted. You know, there are going to be difficult times ahead. Uh, right now we're in a pandemic. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know how long this thing's going to stretch out. I don't have any answers to any of those things. But I do know that I've been called to partner with the Lord in this season in order to see his kingdom advance despite everything that's happening. God is giving us an opportunity to shift our world through him. But we have to rise up and take a hold of it. The importance of strengthening yourself in the Lord is, is so key. You know, um, you can think, well, if I was just married to so-and-so and if this was different and that was different, and when I walked through one of the darkest seasons of my life, I was married to a minister. I am married to a minister. We just celebrated 36 years of marriage. But when I walked through the darkest season of my life, you know what? He couldn't carry me. I had to dig deep. I had to strengthen myself in the Lord because initially with some of the things I was dealing with, I was drowning in self-pity. Just, I'll just be honest with you. And the journey that I was on, I had to strengthen myself in the Lord. And I remember being at a conference and Barry Miracle, we were there with Barry and Tammy, and Barry handed me this little booklet on fear because I was very fearful of some things I had to deal with. And he just handed me the booklet, and it was all full of scriptures on fear. And I began to encourage and strengthen myself in the Lord because I began to drink in his truths. Um, 
I, someone else gave me a CD that I listened to, and it was all scripture verses on healing from Gloria Copeland and strengthening myself in the Lord, in his truth. Yes, my husband came along. He prayed for me. He stood with me. But the key was honestly strengthening myself in the Lord, declaring that God was my healer, that he was my provider, that just God was my everything. I remember singing, uh, you're my portion, Lord. You're more than enough. So I would encourage you, get yourself a life verse. If you don't have a life verse, mm-hmm. get a life verse. My life verse is in Third John, and it's, I pray that you would prosper. Uh, no, I... I Sorry, I'm a little, I'm trying to learn it now in the passion. Anyways, I'll give it to you. I pray that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. So I pray that you would be in good health in all areas just as your soul prospers. Get yourself a life first. Build yourself up in the Lord. Amen. Amen. So church, what's the message for us today? Like David, no matter what our circumstances, and they may seem difficult for us right now, no matter what our circumstances are, we are called to strengthen ourselves in him. Go to him and then take responsibility for your relationship with him. Make it a daily practice. Get into his word. Like my wife said, read the word until there's that verse that jumps out at you. For me, when I was a young Christian, in my first year as a believer, I remember reading the scripture and I came to Ephesians 3.20 and it jumped off the pages at me. And when it did, when that verse took a hold of me and I read it, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I can ask or even think, imagine, according to the power that's at work within you. When I read that verse, my life was transformed. It be, and I, I literally, there's, there's virtually no day that goes by that I don't think about that passage and I don't uh, encourage myself in the Lord that I'm able to do anything because the Bible says that I can. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. You have been called into a partnership with Jesus Christ. You have been given an authority through him to shift the environment. I shared with our congregation a couple of years ago about how powerful we are as believers if we will just uh, walk in who we are in terms of shifting environments. And I, and I gave an illustration. We, we had went, went into a restaurant once and just sat down, and we just began to talk about the things of God, and instantly the entire environment, you could feel it shift in the restaurant. The waiter and the waitresses wanted to engage with us and talk about what we were talking about and, and, and speak with us about the, the things of God. We weren't goofy. We weren't, you know, trying to offend anyone. We were just enjoying one another and enjoying God, and the atmosphere in the place shifted. We bring that wherever we go if we are people who are taking care of business. God's calling you today to take care of some spiritual business. It's time to get into the Word. When you feel that anxiety and that fear coming up, you know what you can do for yourself? First thing, turn the news off, shut it down, go to the Word of God, go to the Lord in prayer and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to strengthen me right now. That's taking care of business. When you do it, you're going to see a seismic shift in your world and in your life. Things are going to be different because you are taking care of business with God. If you'll do that today, we can be the people that God's called us to be. We can shift the environments. We can shift our communities. We can make a difference because we're taking care of business with our soul first before our God. Amen? Let me pray with you today. Father, I thank you 
for all those watching today. And I pray, God, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them. But Father, I pray that they would realize today that you want to strengthen them, you want to pour into them, but you're asking them to come to you. That, Lord, you're calling us as believers to move from the milk to the solid food, to get into the word of God, to take responsibility for uh, our journey with Christ, to pursue you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And, Father, that in the place where we pursue you, we'll discover a life of partnership and a life of authority and a life of, of strength that we've never known before as you begin to shift the world around us by Holy Spirit working through us. Father, we thank you for the privilege of ministering together with you, knowing that, Lord, you have called us to be able to walk with you and to exercise your kingdom here on earth. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for uh, tuning in with us today. We encourage you to share the link on our Facebook page with as many people as possible. The more people we let know about what we're doing and what you're hearing here and the encouragement you're receiving, the more people can be encouraged. And so we, uh, we just ask you to do that, uh, you know, spread it around. Also, uh, don't forget to put your pictures of your haircuts up on there. We'd love to see them. Uh, when we come into the office on Tuesday morning, we need a good laugh. Uh, and we love to be able to see uh, what people are posting, what people are putting up. Thanks for engaging with us today. We encourage you to be with us again next week. And we trust that God is going to be a blessing to you throughout this week and a blessing through you because you've strengthened yourself in the Lord. You've taken care of business. God bless you. Have an amazing week in Jesus. Hey, everybody. Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you. We 